0: Well, good afternoon and thank you for joining me again for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here and we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program we're going to have a look at one of those Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one often does happen to us. Apologise quickly if you send an embarrassing email. Then we're also going to be talking with Christina. We're going to be looking at uh, topic four of the, uh, the homework we set a few weeks ago. And we're going to talk about uh, taking risks in your business and some good examples of that. But uh, right now, we're going to have a chat with uh, Rani Gander, from, who's a partner with Turnbull Hill Lawyers. We're going to talk about succession planning in your business. Good afternoon, Rani. Hi, Julian. Thank you for joining us again. And you're joining us from M- Maitland today. East yeah. Maitland, where our new office is. Yeah. So um, I suppose the first question is, what is a business succession plan?
1: Uh, so a business succession plan is really looking at what will happen to your business when you're no longer going to be in it. So when you decide to leave your business, your succession planning will help you successfully transfer your business to your Successor, uh, whether that be someone that you know or an outside buyer. So, my tip would be as soon as you begin a business, you should be considering how and when you're possibly going to exit it. So, if the business is solely based only around you, so you're a sole trader, and the skills will end with you, then that will obviously limit your ability to sell the business. Um, further down the track, but if you have a business where you're supplying goods, um, or an engineering business, or something like that, it, it may keep going. So, a business uh, succession plan sets out who will take your business in, who will take your place in the business, and when that will likely occur, and the details um, of it. Is could be whether it's a gradual transition or there's a fast cut-off date, and you may also look at what happens if you're to pass away, such as insurances for remaining business owners. Mm.
0: So, so what would be the first step? Would be to to choose someone who is a successor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the first step is choose a successor. you need to identify who you would like to take over your business as well as who would be able to take over your business. So some of the options could be a family member um, and there are many excellent family businesses in the Hunter. Um, it could be an employee, so with someone who's worked with you for many years. It may be a business partner, so you may have partners of different ages and you might be bringing in a younger partner who's going to essentially fund your exit from the business or it could be an outside buyer so the key is to make sure you consider what's best for the business and ensure that your successor has the skills um, and also wants to take over
0: the business. So I suppose it's important to value your business how how would you go about uh, determining the value of your business?
1: Um, Usually you can get business valuers and often accountants will value the business Um, and I suggest that you do it uh, regularly and if you're having someone, um, if you're looking at a family member taking over the business, what you may want to talk to them about is at what point you value it. So if they've made the commitment that they're going to help you grow the business but they may have other siblings for example, you may talk about um, getting an accountant to value the business at the point they exit, uh, uh, sorry, at the point that they enter the business. Um, and then you can determine what the value would be um, at at the end. And it also gives you a realistic understanding of what your business is currently worth. And then you can also look at over the years um, how much it has grown and that can also reflect the contribution of the person if you're bringing them into the business to eventually um, take
0: over. And I suppose if it's going to be quite a period of time before that person takes over, you would do some regular valuations through that period.
1: Yes, and then that way there's not um, a surprise at the end where you've gotten your business to a certain point and you're ready to sell it, but they can't afford it.
0: Mm. So, so I suppose the, the big question then is, how do I put a plan into place?
1: Um, look, a complete succession plan should Include the main values of your business and cover and you would you could start with just putting it down on paper. So the first thing would be who you planned your successor to be looking around and saying, well, who will take over the business now? If you're new in your business and you don't think that plan is going to happen for 10, 15 years, that's okay too. But you might be looking at and saying, okay, I've got a child who is interested in this area who has the same trade as me. They may want to take over my tiling business. Um, Or it might be, well, I'm always going to have to find someone who is skilled the same way I am and looking at that. The second is to look at the operational uh, issues. So when do you plan to leave and what are your successor's responsibilities both if you're bringing them in or when you when you go um and in terms of licenses sometimes you have to have certain qualifications um making sure that they that if you're starting to move in a direction that that's also a direction that your successor wants to go into so looking at all the operational issues um, also looking at the financial issues, so are you selling your business or are you gifting it? Um, and that uh, can be in families, sometimes it's gifting, no. sometimes it's selling, and also there's an estate planning element to that where if you've got other siblings, what are their expectations of, of um, what their sibling will pay or be gifted the business? Um, And also in that, looking at what is the market value and what are the the financial implications for that. So, if you have a value of the business and you're planning to sell it, um, is it likely that that success is going to be able to get finance to to fund you out or are you going to do vendor finance where you uh, assist them in in purchasing it? Looking at trainee programs is a good idea. So what are the training programs you'll be organizing for your successor? Will it be in-house? Will it have to be external? Will you consider um, changing management training for the organization in preparation of the successor so that the people, your staff know um, that uh, you're exiting and that really um, their new new boss is going to be... The successor, um, and uh, I can't help it, I'm a lawyer, the legal considerations. so are there any legal requirements to meet in relation to ownership, so such as a transfer of a lease, will there be a change in the business structure, and will you need to trans- uh, change or transfer any licences or registrations, and that, that would also include leases.
0: And I suppose you, you mentioned earlier to put it in writing, and that's uh, very, very important uh, as a lawyer, I would imagine, put everything down in writing.
1: Yes, and it also, um, even if you start it on your own, it, it helps clarify what you want. And when it's in writing and if you are negotiating or talking to your successor, um, a good plan is achievable. So the other thing is once you've written down your plan, you can set a realistic timetable, yeah. you can measurable milestones along the way and and you can also make sure you're sticking to the plan um, and you can create a timeline that highlights the transfer of responsibilities um, uh, and it's important to consult professionals when you're developing your succession plan so as we said before, an accountant can help identify financial risks and opportunities, also talk about values and potentially how you could structure a, a buy-in and a buy-out um, and then there's the lawyers there to, uh, to talk about um, the legal documents to secure this, but also what legally needs to be transferred to allow your successor to succeed.
0: Great. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Ronnie, And uh, we'll have a chat with you again next month.
1: Okay. That's lovely. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Ronnie Gardner there from Turnbull Hill Lawyers. Uh, very, very important that you have those uh, um, succession plans in place. And unfortunately, a lot of businesses don't. So uh, it's worth thinking about what happens. Time to have our chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina.
2: Good afternoon, Julian. How are you this week?
0: I'm very well, thank you. And I'm y- yourself?
2: I'm pretty good too. It feels like a, I don't know, it feels like there's some optimism in the air. That's I great. think... Uh, things have settled maybe in the US or well, reasonably settled the we've yeah. got covid um you know the vaccine the talk of the vaccine um yeah. happening whether you're a pro vaccinator or not i think it's it's good that we've um collaborated globally and of come this far so of i think there's you know and it's summer isn't it nice no, it's summer
0: <laughs> it was going to be hot on monday
2: <laughs> oh, well we'll just we'll just look to today then okay <laughs> so
0: like uh, topic four was our we, we set a list of of seven items for people to work on over the next few weeks and topic yeah. four was taking risks in your business
2: yeah and you know we we need to take risks in business um, but we need to take calculated risks in mm. business some it depending on what situation you're in you know some people can afford to take a, a greater risk than other people um, some people are risk averse some people are you know they're they kind of go all in, you know, a la Elon Musk, et cetera, um, who, how amazing is that too, put humans in the hyperloop this week, travelled at something like 270 kilometres an hour.
0: Mm. Um,
2: they're, they're aiming at 1,500 and something kilometres an hour. Uh, but, you know, it, that that is all risk. And how... You know, Musk decided to put his money where his mouth was a while ago um, and back the projects that he had. So, And, you know, in his situation, he had received a whole lot of money for a product that he'd created. So different type of risk. If we're small businesses, we don't have um, the cash to take those kind of risks to co- to throw cash at things. But there's other ways. And I know that we've spoken before. So the whole idea is to have... We, we kind of live by this 70-20-10 rule. You know, 70% of the time, business as usual, follow up, what is it that you need to do in order to, to get from day to day, week to week, um, you know, have a meaningful life, etc. Twenty percent of the time is what business are you working on for tomorrow? What's next? What you know, where's the pipeline coming from? Where are you where are you leading um your employees and everybody to? The third part of that is ten percent is moonshot, dream. In your wildest dreams, what might happen next. And they're the places that we take mitigated risk with so we might do a really easy prototype prototyping is becoming a lot um i wouldn't say easier or simpler but it's becoming less expensive so Mm. if we have a look at digital Mm. twinning and the the opportunities that that affords us now uh you know that's a whole different thing that that the listeners can look up and when we go when we finish going through the the seven um rules that we gave everybody maybe we'll do a session on digital twinning because it's a really interesting topic um but digital twinning makes things easier you actually don't need to spend a whole lot of money in order to prototype something. So, for example, um, we've spoken before about when I walked into the bank um, in Boston and there was somebody that greeted me at the door and said, hey, you know, can I buy you a coffee? All you've got to do on this cardboard sheet is find where, where we've written these words. So it was, it was kind of a case of let's prototype a product in a coffee shop. Um, we'll buy a cup of coffee pretty cheap, really. Um, and all I had to do was find a couple of words on a website. So they were trialing a website. Mm. Easy, easy kind of prototyping. I figured out it must have cost them, you know, all up maybe a thousand dollars for the week to do a, a, a really thorough prototyping. And we're talking, it was a bank. Mm. There was another instance, for example, people love to get together. People really want to help. Um, so part of risk mitigation is reaching out and getting people's help. And and I know there was a, a, a time where I wanted to pivot the business. So what I did was I brought in a whole lot of people that I respected and bought them dinner. I think the whole evening cost me five hundred dollars, uh, but the but the consultation value and the assistance that I got from people that knew me and people that cared about me was, you know, incredible. So yeah. th- all these types of ways that you can find to seek advice that minimise what the risks are in the steps that you're about to take. And I I think the the,
0: the point you made is it's calculated risks, not just risks for the sake of risk. And that feedback from your customers could be vital for that too.
2: It is incredibly vital. And, you know, we've been talking, again, we've mentioned several times, uh, your customer comes first, wherever is it that that wasn't the case. You know, the Davos Manifesto, we're talking about Branson's idea about keep your people happy, keep your customers happy second um, and then your shareholders can't help but be happy. The Davos Manifesto that said bring it back to people, bring it back to your customers because they're the, they're the crucial pin in the wheel. Um, they're the ones that are going to either give you good word of mouth or bad word of mouth uh, and they're the ones that are going to bring you repeated increased business. So your customers are extremely helpful. I had a meeting yesterday, for example, with um, my favourite coffee shop. Uh, you know, They just wanted to have a chat about where they may or may not be able to expand to. And I like it didn't even cost them a cup of coffee because I enjoy my interactions with them so much. They make me feel welcome in the morning when I go and have a cup of coffee. So it's, it's all this. It's about how you treat people, how you make people feel when they're with you, uh, and they are your best gauge about what kind of risks maybe you take and you know take that calculated risk. If we're going to get anywhere, we really do need to to fail, fail fast. To not be scared to innovate, to, mm. be, to be capable of trialling new things, but so that they're not going to have devastating effects on either our staff or our business.
0: And as you said, you, we need to fail a few times to, uh, to go onto the road to success. And as long as that fail doesn't cost us too much, we're okay.
2: Yeah, and you know maybe we need to stop really thinking about it in terms of failure because really maybe it's the step. It? It's just a step. And sometimes we miss a step and sometimes we trip it's,
0: on a uh, step. The song we just wrote, played, Give Me a Little Sign. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was very appropriate.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think so. And there have been lots of signs that um, there is a, a little of this, there's, there's a, a sun shining um, on us right now. So I'm I'm going with all those signs.
0: Great. Well, Have a good week. We'll have a chat with you again next week. And we'll be looking we'll, at uh, topic number five.
2: We will indeed. Have a lovely week.
0: Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with, uh, yeah, take some risks, but just yes, emphasise those points. Calculated risks, those risks based on, a, based on a little bit of research or discussions with people, not just taking a risk for the sake of taking a risk. Business, the law anew on 2NURFM. It's time for our Harvard Business Review tip. And this particular one, as I mentioned earlier, is one that we do all do, I think. Apologise quickly if you send an embarrassing email. Most people have made the mistake of hitting reply all on a private email or sending an insensitive message to the wrong person. After the panic sets in, you need to own the mistake. Approach the offended colleagues quickly and and apologise. I'm sorry I did it, and even more sorry than it hurt or showed disrespect for you. Seek forgiveness. I wrote without thinking, and if I could take it back, I would. I can only ask you to forgive me. Avoid insincere language like mistakes were made or I'm sorry if you were offended. Um, And as awful as it may feel at the time to make an apology, recognize that you may have done real damage. You might need to take additional steps to show that you actually care about the issue and are taking it seriously. And I'm aware of several people in business that often send those bad emails to their customers And, of course, that does create some real damage sometimes. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at the importance of succession planning with your business uh, with Ronnie Gander from Turnbull Hill. And we've discussed with Christina the taking risks in your business. Next week, we're going to look at marketing strategy with Kimberly Clare-Campbell, a digital advisor at the Hunter Region Business Hub. We'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, The Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and, as Walt Disney once said, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle.